emergency there. That all born-again Christians are his representatives. We are no longer of this world, but we have passed from death unto life and are heirs of God with Christ, sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Just think, how marvelous. And it's written that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, has entered the heart of man what God has for them in store that love him. And now, I believe in, in the healing of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ heals the sick. Do you believe that? He makes the sick sweat well. I was just listening to a program, not to criticize anybody, but on the road here this afternoon, I was listening to a doctor of divinity one of the most brilliant speakers in America, speaking on suffering. And maybe I'm wrong. If I am, God forgive me. But how can a brilliant mind like that be twisted up so in the scripture after being a teacher for years and years in great schools and seminaries? And he said, sickness was of God. That said that we should welcome rheumatism and arthritis if God gives it to us to testify and spit dust in the devil's face and say, I can stand and bear it, for God put it up on us for his glory. I can't see that. And I don't, I don't believe that's intelligence. I don't believe that's, that's not the gospel of my Lord Jesus Christ. And God is not the author of sickness. You can't pin that on my father. He comes to heal us. The devil is the one who makes us sick. Absolutely. If that be so, then how about that lady, if arthritis that came to Jesus up on the, uh, there that day on the Sabbath day, and Jesus put his hands on her and healed her, and they said it was on the Sabbath and found fault with him. He said, which one of you having an animal that won't lose him on the Sabbath to go get a drink? He said, how much more this daughter of Israel, who's been bound by the devil these years, not by God, by the devil. Oughtn't she to be loosed on the Sabbath day? And I'll say, if that same man right now, if he'd get stricken sick, would go to a doctor, the doctor told him he had appendicitis, they'd take off the hospital and have it cut out. Well, then if appendicitis is a blessing, why go have it cut out? You're cutting the blessing away. <laughs> then if that be true, medical science saying something about divine healing, what about that? If that is the truth, every hospital in the world and every doctor or antichrist working against God. Well, it's a shame to have a doctor. It's a shame to go to the hospital. It's a shame to be healed. You should go ahead and die. Get these diseases and die right quick. Or sit and suffer with them or something. Oh, my. I can't, I can't understand it. Maybe, it maybe, maybe it's me. But if it is... <laughs> I, I don't believe it is. That's just all. I believe there's some, something else wrong somewhere. But how a teacher, brilliant, can preach a message and just lay it right to the line and come right down to that. Just all Satan wants. Just enough to get... See, the biggest lie in the world got a lot of truth in it. When Satan comes to Eve, he said, he told her everything the truth. He said, now your eyes will be open. You'll know right from wrong. You'll know right, just like God. You don't know it now, but you will know it. It's the truth. 
And everything right on down there said, Surely you'll not die. But that was the life of God said you would die. And then when Jesus came on earth, and then diseases that he healed, then he was working against his heavenly Father. And then he commissioned his disciples and sent them out to heal the sick and, and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers. Then he was working against the will of the Father. And then the last words that he said was, Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, contrary to the will of the Father. Then if he by his stripes we were healed, he, then the Father had nothing to do with the atonement. I don't know how you go do that. <laughs> but yet, that's, that's smart people. God helped me then to be foolish. I heard of a man coming down the street one day. He had a sign on the front of him that said, I'm a fool for Christ. And on the back it says, Whose fool are you? <laughs> the Bible Paul said that in the Scripture. He's a fool for Christ. Yes. I believe the Word of God teaches healing for the body and soul. Not only that, but God confirms the Word with signs and wonders following. I will admit that God permits Satan sometimes to chastise us. That's true. But when that chastisement is true and you come back to God, cause your Father to heal you. That's right. And I'll admit there is a sickness unto death, and that's why prophetic gifts are in the church. It's an old thing. But to say that our Father, that a man has rheumatism, arthritis, say, yes, Lord, I'm just glad to have it, glad you give it to me. I embrace it. I love it. I glory in tribulation. Paul thorn in the flesh. That was the Lord's disease and nothing else. If it was, he healed me, got well, he healed to the messenger of the devil that beffet me. What does the word beffet mean? Blow after blow. Then he healed him, he got well, he, he, healed, he healed him again, he got sick, and he healed him, he got sick, blow after blow. He said, a messenger of Satan. Not an infirmity, as he meant, as he said there, but, or as people try to interpret. I'll let Brother Baxter take that thorn in the flesh for you some afternoon, or some of these teachers. But anyhow, how brilliant people, see how that gets scattered out, and some poor sufferer, setting out, setting his suffering, and thinking that he's doing God's will when the blessing is laying right at his hand to him. I want to read some scripture in a few moments. First, I want to give an experience. And then, all right, Brother Baxter told me to testify just a little tonight or something if I desired to, because he was wanting me to, to do so on time. He was a little tired and he wanted to rest. I want to tell him an experience. Then I'll read the scripture right at last. One day, when the most notable thing that I guess one of the most notable ever happened was one of those fundamental ministers who charged me and said that I was a hypocrite and a devil and an imposter and should be run out of the city and paid himself about $50 out of his own pocket to put a front ad page in the paper to that that I was imposing myself as a man of God and I was nothing in the world to me and I should be run out of the city and he should be the guy that could do it. Just a young fellow back from the cemetery and uh, all the same in the dead ways. Just exactly. Reading, writing, and arithmetic and some of them know more about God than a hot and hot knows about Egyptian knife. And that's the truth. Now they're all right if they come out of there God saved. But you don't have to go there to be saved. 
Paul said all he ever knew, he for, he had to, all he ever learned, he had to forget about it to learn Jesus Christ. And that's right. And I'm not trying to support my ignorance. I'm just telling what the Bible says. Peter and James passed through the gate called Beautiful. There lay a man crippled from his mother's womb. He said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'll give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And Peter grabbed that man and raised him up on his feet and held him there until his ankle bones received strength. He went into the temple leaping and praising God. And the Bible said that they were ignorant and unlearned men. Is that right? We're taught that Peter wouldn't even know his own name if it was signed before him. He wouldn't know what it was, but he knew Jesus Christ. I, that's what I, I want my children to know. That's what I want the people to know. I think education is wonderful, as long as you don't get to an educated fool. And not junction enough to know how to take care of your education. Education is all right. Very fine thing. We need it. God knows that. But we need salvation worse than we do education. If you've been with me in Africa a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and there's a man sitting right here now that's from right in Africa and knows that it's the truth. When I walked into that meeting there and see those hot and hot coming back from up there, those illiterate people, that missionaries had walked in there and tried to teach him reading and writing and arithmetic, and it makes him a twofold child more of hell than he was when he started. And all they do is then they come in supposed to be Christians packing a little idol sprinkled in mud and blood all over it. Supposed to be a Christian. His daddy packed that, you know, and the lion got after him, so he set it down, said a prayer, and built a little fire, and the lion went away. Sure, the fire run the lion away. See? And then if that don't work, then he turns around, and if it is, if the God the missionary speaks of doesn't work, then he'll try that one. He carries that for safety first. That's not Christianity. But when they see the power of God make a man who had been born crippled stand whole again, they bust them out of on the ground and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and the papers are packing articles that work. Carloads after carloads of watches and rings and firearms that they stole and had out there in their, in their huts and things, they bring it back from true conversion. I tell you, Jesus Christ is sending forth a message in this last days of shaving things. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That is true. All right, and I stood before some of those doctors of philosophy and with their DDs here a few days ago when Dr. Davis and many of them said to me, he said, Billy, go home, you had a nightmare. I said, I don't appreciate that. I said, if you're true, if you don't want me, all right, here's my credentials. I said, I'll follow God, let alone, I don't have to follow the Baptist church. He said, I, I, don't, I don't mean it that way, uh, Brother Branham. I, I, I guess I hurt your feeling. I said, you never hurt my feeling, but when you tell me that that was a nightmare when I stood and talked to an angel face to face, he said, you mean you'll be going around the world with a seventh grade education and winning thousands of Christ? I said, that's what he said, and that's what I believe. How do you go to do it? I said, no more than I know how Paul could tell out there on the ship that night that he was going to have to come before Caesar. But he said, Lo, an angel of God appeared to me last night and said, Fear not, Saul. Paul, you're going to have to come before Caesar and God give you all those to stay with you. He said, Wherefore, brothers, be of a good courage, for I believe God. It'll be just like if we showed me. And I, I believe him. And it's true. And that's what we need tonight, my brother and sister. That's the trouble with we Americans. We sit and wonder, Dr. So-and-so said so-and-so. You know what puts in their mind? They have a big undertaker's morgue where a bunch of dead people go in to pump some fluid into them to keep them, be sure they don't get alive no more. That's just Dr. So-and-so said it was mental telepathy. This one said it's psychology. This one says it's that and that. I'm so sick and tired of human philosophy. I want to see the real power of God demonstrated moving among these people for that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, day, and forever, proving himself. And that's what the world's a hunger for. 
I stood there with them. I said, gentlemen, he said, Brother Van has just returned from a missionary trip. Said it was very alarming when we read in some papers where he had 30,000 converts. I said, gentlemen, for the past 50 years you've been sending missionaries down in Africa. I met many of them have been there for a long time. Some of them little old girls down there said they were missionaries and boys. And I said, where are you from? They told me what college they were from. I said, how many souls do you want to try? Not none yet, riding around in a nice car, living in the best hotels. And I said, none yet. No, when the natives have a war, they ain't that they come up out of their minds and things. They passed out a few tracks. What does a native know about a track? You won't. Paul learned a long time ago, and Jesus Christ always knows that it takes power to convert the heathen. That's right. They're walking around there, holding them little pamphlets in their hands as soon as their backs turned toward away like that. And I said, you sent missionaries in there for 50 years. You spent millions of dollars. And I said, what you call fanaticism won more people to Christ in five minutes' time than all the missionaries you sent in for 50 years. Hallelujah. Our God lives and reigns. He's the God of power. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God that closed the heavens in the days of Elijah. He's the God that stilled the waters on the mighty sea that night. He's the one that rose up his son from the dead after being in the grave for three days. He's omnipotent. He lives and reigns forever. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll always be God. He'll always have somebody who will believe him in that way, too. God's never been without a testimony. And to see some of those people who got more education and know what to do with and come out of some seminary and with some kind of D.D. and a bachelor's, bachelor's degree and so forth and back like that, how mercy. That don't mean no more to God than that. Do you know Christ and the power of his resurrection? That's the main thing. You see, they explain this away, they explain that away, and, they, and some of it they hit very nicely and say this right, and how it's folded over and whitewashed around, and they come down to fundamental truths and tonight, that gets in my blood, because I know that Christ died for this purpose, and the proof of the pudding is the eating of it. That's right. Here it is, it proves itself. There's millions, thousands, times thousands that's been in my meetings. You can produce doctor's testimony and so forth that have been in their grave and a lot of them are laying out on dead lists that's supposed to have been dead years ago with cancer. I can produce it tonight that they're living and healthy and strong and not a sign of it anywhere. That's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He promised those things and we're living in the day to see them. The night down in Houston when this young fellow put that in the paper the next day, Brother Bosworth, one of your old soldiers here from Zion, he called me today. <clears throat> he fixed me to go back to Africa, 70-something years old, about 75 years old, and his heart burning to go back to Africa. He wants to go back. I said, oh, Brother Branham, said, Americans are lovely, but them people that want God. Why well, preach it over and over and over, and they're all mixed up anyhow, and don't know what to believe when them people down there hasn't heard it one time. Go take it to them. And that's my heart, too, friends. And to you Christian people... Coming in tonight, people sitting around the town, the power of Jesus Christ, moving around empty seats, sitting here in the auditorium, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. See, here we are. They're unconcerned. It had so much uh, embalming fluid injected into them to the case. Well, they were predestinated to be that way. That shows you, doesn't it? But that's the truth. I can prove it by the Bible. That man are predestinated to be lost. Jews, about the fourth, chapter, fourth verse of Jews, said, 
the man of old foreordained to this condemnation to turn the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness. Correctly. Foreordained of old to this condemnation. God foreordained it to them. Like Pharaoh, Judas is the carrot, and many of them. Don't tramp on God's property. If God give you a touch at your heart, you ought to be the most thankful person there is in this building tonight to know that God give you the privilege to come into his kingdom and knock at your heart's door and stalk you out. You might be one of them out there that's on the outside of the kingdom tonight. There, this man with all of his scholarship, Brother Bosworth comes and said, Look at here, Brother Brennan, what's in the paper? I said, So this guy has challenged you, he's done everything. I said, That doesn't mean a thing, Brother Bosworth. Well, the next day here come again another day, and I said, it showed what I was made out of, that I was afraid to face the truth and face facts in God's Bible, so that's the way it's this bunch of holy roars. Listen, I've traveled the seven seas, and I've never seen a holy roar yet. I've never seen one. I've seen people scream and shout. I've seen them get disorderly, even, in their way of doing, going to access to the other side. And that scares people away, but I'd rather have a little wildfire, no fire at all. Yeah, right. But there it is, but a holy roar, I've never seen one. Never heard of a church that was called, recognized themselves as holy rollers. I've never seen one yet. But this fellow had to put that in the paper, you know, to make it act smart, the big Houston Chronicle. Now, <clears throat> Brother Bosworth come the next day and said, Brother Branham, take him up on that. I said, Brother Bosworth, God never sent me to trust with people. He sent me to pray for people. Not, not. And he said, well, Brother Brandon, he says, I realize that. But he said, look, he said, the people here will think we're just a bunch of, of people who don't know what we're talking about. Before the public and those thousands and thousands that's gathered there in that place, that they ought to know what is the truth. And said, Brother Bosworth was raised up here in Zion under Dr. Dowie and and so forth, and he, he believed it, and I believe he's one of the greatest teachers today on divine healing. And he said, Brother Branham, that, that, that is often to be. He said, before the public, I said, Brother Bosworth, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on me. I have no time to fuss. The Bible said, let them alone. If they, the blind lead, the blind won't be all into this. I said, let them alone. He never sent me to fuss. He sent me to pray. And so he, he said, Will you give me the privilege of doing it? Oh, I appreciated that. Put me mind of Caleb of old. Let me go take that city. And I thought that man just out of the seminary there with all of his degrees and things, and this old man, 70 something years old, standing there wanting to challenge that young man to a debate, or the young man challenging him and him wanting to take up the sword against him. I said, No, Brother Bosworth, I will not give you privilege of doing it. I said, Because it was just cause a fuss, and you never get nothing by fussing. You're just like the Irishman's owl, all fuss and feathers. I said, you don't get nowhere, no owl good. And I said, to him, he said, well, if you'll just give me the privilege, Brother Branham, I'll promise you that I won't fuss. He said, I won't say one word back. I'll be a Christian gentleman. And I looked at him, his poor little eyes sparkling, and just, he just wanted to get into it so bad. And I said, well, I looked around at my wife, and, and that's when I, he brought me in to challenge to come to South Durban, South Africa, and pray for Florence Nightingale, who was dying with cancer, the granddaughter of the late Florence Nightingale, the founder of the Red Cross in England. And I said, Brother Bosworth, give me just a little bit of time to pray. He went out, he came back again in a few minutes, said, what about it? He said, the reporters are waiting, of course, they 
keep me away from people, not as I don't want to be with people. I want to be with people. I love people. But people, my friends sometimes say, Brother Brand, will you come go here with me? Will you have this little social visit? I want to do that. I want to. But listen, God let me know in the beginning, if I'm going to be a servant of God or of man, I've got to keep myself away from the public and be in touch with God so that I can serve God. I serve man in serving God. And I love to go to places and see people and talk to them and things, but the Holy Spirit will not permit me to do it. Now, I don't say all ministers have to be that. I was born under not Nazarite birth, of course. And so it's just a little different. And so many things that I do in my life, I wouldn't ask other people to do. I wouldn't say they had to do that to be a Christian because it was a different altogether. Many of you understand that, don't you? See, it's, that's just for me on, uh, me privately. Things that I have to do and the way I have to live and the things that I have to do. It's the Nazarite um, birth. And so we, we don't... It's not, you can't teach that all people have to be that way. But I mean for myself. And then finally when he came back in, I said, all right, Brother Bosworth. They wouldn't let the reporters up steps for us then. I said, if you want to do it and will promise me that you won't argue. Now, many of Bosworth's friends are sitting here and you know him well. And so I, I he said, I promise you, Brother Brown, that I won't argue a bit. I said, all right, that's fine, go ahead. Well, right down the steps, he went like a little child with his first toy. And then run down there and told the reporters, said, look, Brother Branham won't, won't do it, but said, let me do it. But I'll take that up. And so then, of course, the Houston Chronicle, you know how newspaper is, great big headlines the next day, ecclesiastical furrow fly. You know, something other, I guess that's what they're supposed to do. So here it comes everywhere. But what made me think then, friends, and know that the, the born-again church of God is ready? Listen, what's the great thing today? is the fuss, the issues that the, the born-again people have between them. I mean the real born-again. Some of them say, well, I was, I was done this this way. I, I did this this way. I, the Lord wants me to do this. That's all right. As long as we can recognize one another's brothers and sisters, let the rest of it go. And then, not how you say your prayer or whatever you do, that has nothing to do with it. Because your heart with God is what makes it. And then... That day, that paper, of course, the Houston Chronicles on the Associated Press, and it went out everywhere. And what made me feel good was that day from east, west, north, south, special trains and planes moaned their way across the plains, bringing in people to the rest of you. What was it? They didn't care whether they were Trinity, Oneness, Jesus only, or Fifthless, or whatever, Latter-day Saints, or whatever they wanted to be. That Nazarene, Pilgrim Holiness, whatever it was, that didn't matter to them. The, the principle of Jesus Christ was at stake. And they come together to howls and swarm that big stampede ground, big play of the uh, San Houston Coliseum until they packed in the ground where the big rodeo shows and things packed through there, the galleries and everywhere. They said, that's fine. All right. Now, and in that great rush there, that night, the people come in from everywhere and line and pack the place out. I said I wouldn't go down. I didn't want to go down because I didn't like to hear debate. You never get nowhere by debating. You just might as well leave it alone. So I, I, I said I won't go down. Well, all right. That was okay. And along towards the time the services was getting ready, I just couldn't stay home. That's all. I just had to go. And I told the wife, I said, I'm going down. And she's sitting here in the building tonight, her and the little girl. And so we went down together, 
and to take him. And my brother went with me, Howard. He was here with me the last time I was in Zion. And so he said, now, Bill, you're going to keep quiet. And I said, well, sure. And so we went up in Balcony 30, way up the street 30 up there, way up high. I sat down up there. No one knew me. I had my coat up like this. And we went up and sat down. Well, I listened to this, all getting ready, the moderators and everything. And Cy Ramsar was saint leading the singing. So right at the last, Cy just dropped in down there. And, and he knew Mr. Ritchie and many of them, so they had him leading singing. And so right at the last one, he said, now the main event of the evening, the discussion is fixed to take place. But said, I read a little article in your paper here the other day. Said, I read in there where William Branham ought to be run out of the city. Said, if you people of Houston that call yourself Christians that put more time trying to run bootleggers out of the city instead of godly people like that, Houston would be better off. And I said, there was a scream went up around thousands of people there. Well, I, I knew then. <laughs> Something happened just sat still. So this Mr. The, the Baptist minister, he would, he would not permit. He wouldn't come up first. He wanted to be last so he could rub off on Mr. Bosworth. So they said, all right, they'd have just a little puddle in at the last. So Mr. Bosworth got up, a gallant old soldier of the cross, stood just as straight and sturdy. He stood there and he said, we are not here tonight to fuss or to debate. He said, we are here tonight to discuss or to come and reason together. He said, upon the words of God, he said, I have 600 different statements concerning Jesus Christ today and his attitude towards the sick is, uh, his attitude, attitude towards the sick is just the same today as it was the day he walked the shores of Galilee. I have them written out here on paper. And if Mr. Best can take any one of those and disprove it by the scriptures, I'll walk off the platform and get into the debate. What a statement. Mr. Best said, go ahead, I'll take care of that when I get up there. He said, Mr. Best, I'll ask you one question. If you'll answer me yes or no, whichever way you'll answer me, then the discussion will be over. He said, was the redemptive names of Jehovah applied to Jesus, yes or no? I shrunk down. Oh, my. <laughs> there it is. I never thought of that in my life. But that old Caleb standing there anointed. <laughs> <laughs> it was different from that seminary experience sitting back there from reading and writing and arithmetic. He had never thought of those things. He said, is the redemptive names of Jehovah applied to Jesus, yes or no? He said, answer me yes or no and I'll sit down. <laughs> he said, go ahead, I'll take care of that, that I'm asking you, sir. The moderator is giving me, said, I'll ask you, walk to this platform and say yes or no and I'll sit down. Sure he couldn't say yes or no. He couldn't. He was tied right there before he got started. Wife said, Mr. Best, I'm very surprised that one of the weakest arguments I have on it, and you can't answer that, what are you going to do with the rest of them? <laughs> there you are. So that's my weakest point. I just start off with that. But if he said no, then he wasn't, if he, if he said uh, no, then he wasn't Jehovah Jireh. Uh, the God provided sacrifice. He's Jehovah. If he isn't the redemptive names of Jehovah, if they are not applied and fulfilled in Jesus, then he is not God provided land. And you're in your sins. And he was an imposter. 
And if he is Jehovah Jireh, he's also Jehovah Rapha, because you can't separate them, atoning name of them, them redemptive names, because it all goes in redemption. And if he is Jehovah Jireh, then he's Jehovah Rapha, and Rapha is just the same as Jireh, so he is the healer, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That settles it. <laughs> oh, my. He said, what are you going to say, Mr. Best? He said, I, I, I'll, um, I, I'll, uh, he said, come here and say it. <laughs> and when he comes to the place, he kept stomping, he raised up and smacked the preacher. So then, when he got in on then, he got back up again, and when he sometimes when he comes to the platform, he preached a good Camelite sermon. I was cradled in a Baptist church. I know what Baptist doctrine is. I should. <laughs> All right. And he absolutely did not preach divine, or the Baptist believed in divine healing, praying for the sick. That's exactly right. But they, he preached and even denied the powers of Christ and said that even that Lazarus died again, he said divine healing was applied on 1 Corinthians 15 when this mortal put on immortality. What in the world are we going to need divine healing for them when we're immortal? <laughs> so there it was. And right in the time he said that, and everybody began to laugh at him. He said, there's nothing but a bunch of you nitwit holy roars is the only one believing such things as that. So there is no true Baptist would ever believe in anything like that. Brother Bosworth said, just a moment, brother. He said, I want to ask this congregation tonight, how many of you, only you that's Baptist and got good standing with the Baptist church, you are the ones that I want to stand to their feet while we're now. And 300 stood up. So what about that, Mr. Best? He said, all oh, nonsense. That people can testify of anything that still doesn't make it right. He said, you can't prove it by the scriptures, and here's the evidence. See? And so then Mr. Richie jumped up. He's just like a little fly anyhow, you know. But I'd like to ask the word. And so the moderator finally gave it. said, which did the Southern Baptist Conference, and you man sitting along there on that first preacher roll, said, did the Southern Baptist Conference, is this their attitude towards Jesus Christ, the healer? Did you all send this man here? Watch out. <laughs> There's thousands of Baptists sitting there. Nobody made a move. Richie called their hands again. He's a Zion boy, too, you know. His father was mayor here in the city. That wanted to stay out and said, Death stand still! So I preached this sermon. And Death listened to him. So he preached this sermon out and fell back in his boy's arms and died. Mr. Richie. Yes, sir. He said, I want to ask that. And so the, the chairman... Or the one of the Baptist men said, he come on his own, that's his. Not the Baptist conference didn't send him, but he come himself. He said, that's all I wanted to know. <laughs> Sit down. Then he said, Mr. Best raised up and said, let that holy roller, let that divine healer come forth. Let him perform. Let me see. Let me see one of these expressions that he hypnotized a year, examined a year from today. Let me see it. Let me see it. Bring him forward. Let me see him perform. Mr. Bosworth said, he's here nightly. You're welcome to come anytime. See? He said, anyhow, Brother Branham doesn't claim to be a divine healer. said, never. said, I guess his literature is published in many different languages. And he spoke direct or indirect to millions of people. And said, not one time did he ever say a divine healer. He always says that Christ is the healer. And said, if Brother Branham preaching divine healing makes him a divine healer, then preaching salvation makes you a divine savior. That set him down. Hmm? said, would you want to be called a divine savior? Absolutely not. He said, neither does Brother Branham want to be a divine healer. 
that he only preaches divine healing through the cross. And you are unable to say that he doesn't preach it through the cross by the scriptures. That shut him up. He said, or any other man here is challenged on the same ground to come and prove that if they can against the Bible that Jesus Christ if his attitude towards the sick today isn't the same as it was then. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's got to be the same man. Exactly. And then he said, but you can't support it. And him preaching divine healing by Jesus Christ doesn't make him a divine healer. He only points them to Christ. And preaching salvation by Jesus Christ doesn't make you a divine savior. But if it makes him a healer, it makes you a savior. So then he said, let him come forth, let him come forth, I want to see him, come forth and perform. He started stomping back and forth, Brother Bosworth said, I know Brother Brandon's in the building. If he wants to come and dismiss the audience, all right. But he's under anointing, and I say to come forth and perform, that's something different. And, and he said, Brother Branham, I know where you're sitting, and everybody begin to look around. And he said, I know where you're sitting, and if you want to come forth and dismiss this audience to the word of prayer, all right, but you're under no obligation. And my brother Howard, he put his hand on my shoulder, and there's two or three ushers standing, and he said, that's still, that's still. I said, all right. And I stood there just a minute, something went, I know it wasn't sitting still no more than, I felt something moving. My wife took hold my hand, she said, honey, I said, sweetheart, just a moment, it's the angel of the Lord. Howard said, Bill, you're not going down there. And the people looked up at him and began screaming and crying. He said, you're not going down there. I said, Howard, just the side, son. The angel of the Lord tells me to go down there. Ushers began to throw their hands together like that and made a line coming down along the side. I walked up to the platform. I knew he was here. I said, I do not claim to be a divine healer. And I said, don't think hard of Mr. Best. Although he had hired some photographers to come over there, listen to this. He hired a commercial photographer, the Douglas Studios. Write to him if you want to find out. Connected with the American Photographer Association. And he had hired Mr. Kipperman of the Douglas Studios in Houston, Texas. Number 10-something Rust Street. It's in my book there. Write and ask him a testimony. And Mr. Iris had come with him as a Roman Catholic who criticized me and said I was a hypnotizer in the paper the day before. And Kipperman was an Orthodox Jew who even denied Jesus. And Mr. Best had, uh, sent over there and told him to say, come take a half a dozen uh, six to ten glosses of me while I take that old man over there and take him apart and skin him and rub salt in his hide and pack it on my door as a memorial to thine healing. That shows where a Christian spirit lays to take a brother. All right, that, there you are, you see, all puffed up here, nothing down here. And so... Then he'd come over there, and they took the six glosses while he was doing the preaching. He'd pull for him like this, and he'd pull for him like that, you know. And they took the six glosses. And so then, when I started down the platform, they said, no more pictures. There's just uh, all the photographers and so forth taking pictures. said, so no more pictures, because they take those pictures in the meeting, and they sell them, and it's not right. It's commercial on anything that belongs to God. And so that's the wrong thing to do. So we just stopped all pictures. So they wouldn't let no pictures be taken. So I said... Do not anyone think hard of Mr. Best. I said, I did think he was sincere. So he looked down to this row of stretchers and tops and things laying here, of these people in here with cancer and heart trouble, that's going to be dead in a few days if God doesn't help them. And the doctors have given them up. They've done their very best for them. 
There's nothing they can do. And now he says, he, I believe he was sincere until he said that he felt sorry for those people. He can't feel sorry for those people and robbing them of trying to black out the only hope they have of living. How can you feel sorry for them? Like taking food away from a starving man. I said, and there's such a comrade sitting back there who was in their condition a few days ago and with doctor's statements that they're healed. Because they're all mixed up in a religious experience. <laughs> I said, I don't believe that was sincere. But anyhow, he come running up the platform. He said, Branham? Yes, sir. He said, as a man, I admire you. As a preacher, I don't think much of you. I said, that's mutually felt. Walked on off the platform. It's on. So I said, all right. Now, he, I said, look, I do not claim to be a divine healer. And I said, I was reminded of my Lord. When he said, come down and perform. Come down, let me see. I said, that same devil, when he was on the cross and they put a rag around his face, I believe he was a prophet, the king of prophets. Don't you believe it? He knew the woman at the well. She had five husbands. He knew where Nathaniel uh, was when he was under the fig tree or the olive tree. Wherever fig tree, I believe it was. When he was there, he knew where the fish was, had a corn in his mouth. They put a rag around his face and hit him on the head with a reed. He said, now if you're a prophet, prophesy and tell us who hit you. He didn't even open his mouth or say a word. And then when he put him on the cross, he said, if he be the Son of God, come down and let us see. Prove it to us now. Come off the cross and we'll believe you. I said, that same old spirit, them Preachers that had it back there is dead, but the Spirit lives on in other preachers, right on down through the age. Heal this one. Let him see heal this one. When he was sure he passed by the pool of Bethesda, there lay that crippled multitude of a lame, halt, blind, withered, laying there like that, and him walking right by him and walked over and took a man that had sugar diabetes or some kind of an infirmity and healed him and left the multitude laying there. The Jews had the same thing. They said, let's question him about it. Here's what he said. St. John 5, 19. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I can do nothing except the Father shows me. For the Father loves the Son, and he shows him what he does. So know all things that he doeth. And he'll show you greater things than the healing of this diabetic or tuberculosis or whatever it was, that you may marvel. But I can do nothing except first I see a vision what the Father has done. Is that scripture? That's right. Now he said, well, what about all those lame, halt, blind, twisted, withered waiting there? The father never showed him nothing about it, and he went right on. What the father showed him to do, he did. But according to his words, who was the Son of God, he could do nothing until first the father showed him. Is that right? That's his own words. You argue that out with him. And he's the same yesterday, day, and forever. It's the same way. That's right. What the father shows that he does. All right. Now, notice this. Then I said... But I can't say heal no one. But I said, this I do say. When I was a baby born up in the state of Kentucky, according to my own dear mother, and which has been vindicated through my life, I said, there was a light came in the room of that little old huddle there, where it was that, an old floor in it. Didn't even have a window. It just had a little old thing for a window there, like a little door. They pushed it open by 5 o'clock in the morning. This light circled in just as it's breaking day in. I said, since that time it's been with me. It's an angel of God. He met me in person a few years ago, down through my life, 
He told me things have happened, and I have told it just as he told me, and I challenge anybody at any place to go to the city where I was raised or anywhere else that a statement's ever been made in the name of the Lord, but what comes just exactly the way it said it was. And I said, I, not me, but it was him. And I said, anyone here, any Christian knows that God will not have nothing to do with error. God's truth, is that right? And I said, he would not bless an error. It had done been gone, found out before this time. I said, it would never be. I, uh, God will not bless an error. But if I testify the truth, then God will testify me. If I make a statement and God has told me to do so, then God will back it up. Do you believe that? And if he doesn't back it up, then he never made it. But if he made the statement, God will stand behind what he promised. Hallelujah. Ooh, you don't know how that makes, how it makes me feel. Don't think I've just lost my sense of balance. I know where I am. Look. Yes, but when I know where, what I'm talking about, and every born-again man in here or woman knows what they're talking about. Now, where you can appropriate the faith, I do not know, but what God says is the truth. And I said, if I tell the truth, God will testify of the truth. For God is under obligation to testify of the truth, but he will not have nothing to do with error. So if I tell the truth, God will testify the truth, and about that time, here it comes. Coming right down over where I was. Excited this photographer, he runs forth the one and took the glosses of the man, and he snapped a picture, snapped a picture of me standing there. I said, God has testified. I shall say no more. I walked off the platform. So that night he went home. On the road home, they discussed it about it. Said, what do you think about that? The Catholic said to the, I mean, the Jew said to the Catholic. He said, well, we're taught in our church that it can be, but it'd have to be a Catholic. Nothing but a Catholic. They'd have to come through the church. If there's any blessings, it comes through the church. He said, well, I don't, a Kipperman said, I don't know nothing about it, just to be honest. Iris said, well, I might have criticized the man wrong. So he went on down. Kipperman said, well, I'm going upstairs to go to bed. Iris said, I'll put these in the studio and run them through the acid because Beth wants them tomorrow. I think he wants to maybe use one for the paper and he's glossy. So he put the six negatives in the acid. He's standing there smoking a cigarette, waiting for the development of it as it went through the process of development. He was smoking a cigarette. After all, he threw the cigarette down. He's thinking about the meeting and what's taking place. So he walked in, he pulled out the six negatives, he looked at one of them, perfectly blank. Second, blank. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, perfectly blank. Every one of Mr. Best was blank. And when he pulled out the one that he'd taken of me, there was the angel of God, the pillar of fire, in the picture. <laughs> he grabbed his heart, he fell forward, he screamed for Ted. They run downstairs, that's about 10.30. And at 11 o'clock, it was on its road on an airplane to Washington, D.C. to be copyrighted. Returned back, and when they did, it was turned over to the head, George J. Lacey. If anybody knows him, he's the head of the FBI and fingerprints and so forth. And he had to be in California, just come to Houston. They take it in the Shell building under examination for two days. On the end of that time, he said, come forth and stand in the room, and they would let him know what it was. So they've taken the camera, they looked at the camera, they've taken the negative, they put it under a volume ray and all kinds of lights. They went out the auditorium, they examined the film in every way. So then that afternoon when everybody was gathered together there in the little shell building to find out what would take place, or the Shell Oil Company, the building there, he said, whose name is Reverend Brown? Kind of a 
tough-looking fella, but he softened up a whole lot. I said, mine, sir. He said, stand up. I stood up. He said, Mr. Branham, that you'll have to pass out of this life someday like all mortals. I said, I'm aware of that, sir, but thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Jesus Christ. And he said, sir, he said, I've heard of your meetings, and I've said those things were psychology. And said, I've seen the pictures where the saints and them lights they had around the Savior. The saints said, my mother was a Christian woman. She taught me to be a Christian. He said, but I always said that that brush painting was psychology. Of course, some artist picked it up. But he said, Reverend Branham, I believe it was the truth now. He said, that mechanical eye of that camera won't take psychology. It was absolutely a genuine picture, the only one in the world's uh, uh, history today, and can be proven to the old hypocrite, he meant the unbeliever has said there was no such a thing as a supernatural being, could not be scientifically proved, but it said that day is past. Here it is. People can screaming and crying and everything. He said, come forward, you receive an agony. Picking up an agony. He said, Reverend Branham, it's went through everything. said, absolutely, I'm willing to sign my name to any document that the light struck the agony. And he said, psychology don't get a life. Hallelujah. Tears rolling down my cheeks. I looked around. There was God had vindicated a seventh grade education. The things that they said, the fanaticism. God had vindicated truth to the scientific world once for all. But there it is. He said, you'll never live to see the value of this picture. That you'll go before that time, no doubt. And he said, here I submitted to you. I said, sir, it's not mine. I said, it belongs there to the American Photographer Association. Mr. Kipperman come forward said, I'd like to ask the document of this. When my lawyer's sitting here, that you give me permission to sell the picture? I said, he said, and so he said, Mr. Brandon, do you realize that that picture's worth a hundred thousand? I said, sir, listen to all of you once for all. If my Lord Jesus thought enough of me to come down to my side in a hard struggle against right and wrong and stand by my side for the first time in all the world's history to have his picture taken standing by me, I love him too much to commercialize. That's right. And I said, I will not have one thing to do with it. He said, well, it should be some kind of a document. I said, Mr. Kipperman and the Douglas Studio has a right to sell it. I won't sign nothing. But if they will sell it in a price where four people can get a hold of it. They promised they would do that, and it was turned loose, and they had the copyright on it, and you can stand and get a copy of it. And I said, one more thing. Mr. Lacey called my attention. He said, one more thing ought to be said, that this picture could not be sold unless there be a statement block because of the limit of the picture, that there shouldn't be any critics. block say, well, it's not nonsense. All that's just here talk or something like that. You can have a photostatic copy of it right down there if you wish. You can see Mr. Lacey and find out who he is. Anybody that knows anything about photography or fingerprints knows who George J. Lacey is. There he is, the best there is in the United States. Now I think it's the best in the world. There he is after two days of research and chemicals and everything else, said it's absolutely the picture of a supernatural being standing to the side of him. Then what I say, anyone who knows the Old Testament knows that it was a pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. Is that right? And all Bible readers know that that was the angel of the covenant. you believe that? Then if it was the angel of the covenant, it was Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
He's filled the Lord Jesus. I came from God and I go to God, he said. A little while the world will see if he know where yet you'll see me. I'll be with you even in you to the end of the age. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's when Brother Bosworth gave me the negative or the picture of Florence Nightingale laying on a dying. Said if I'd only how many seen that picture back there in the book? You see it in the voice of healing. How I'll never forget this. How wonderful when I went to pray for her. When she went in there, I looked at her in that cold hand and how God moved down there in a little dove flew through the bushes and sat on the window, cooed back and forth while I was praying. When I raised up the ministers had raised up and said, Did you hear did you notice that dove? The dove flew away when I raised up. Said, Did you notice that dove? I got ready to say I the woman couldn't even move. She was laying there. And I said, I started to say, I seen the dove or something. As I started to say that, something came down. I believe it was the same pillar of fire. My voice changed. I couldn't hold my words. It said, Thus saith the Lord, this woman will live and not die. The day she weighs 155 pounds in perfect health. With a cancer on the duodenum of his coming. There she's walking the street. That's what sent me to South Africa. That's why I went so I told God if he'd let her get well when I was here in Houston, Texas, how she knowed I was coming there, yet I do not know. But she came in on a plane. Mr. Baxter here, my manager, when I was going in at London, England, why he heard somebody page me and they went over there to find out what it was about. And they said this Florence Nightingale was out there and they didn't think they could even get her out of the place because she was dying right then. I told him to take her down there, folks. We was going down to Buckingham Palace in Westminster Abbey, a few places, and I would meet her when I come back. And there's when God healed the woman. What does that mean? What does that mean to me tonight? In the face of criticism, how many's read the book out there when that maniac run to the platform? Hot Honor, you better know what you're speaking about. He said, You snake in the grass, I'll break every bone in your mirrored body tonight. You posing yourself to be a man of God. A raw maniac out of the institution that broke out. 280-pound man standing there in muscle. Mr. Baxter standing behind me when hundreds of preachers shrank back. Two little priests that I just led to Christ over in the room before coming. They ran out to grab him like that. I said, just a moment, sir. This is not a flesh and blood affair. He swelled his stuff out. He set his teeth together. He said, you hypocrite. You snake in the grass. I was speaking. I turned around to him this way. All the ministers had backed up. He come walking towards me, said, I'll break every bone in your frail body tonight. I weigh 118 pounds. Said, I'll show you how much man of God you are, you serpent. He come walking forward, and I never said a word. I just turned around, had to look up to him like that. He walked up, and as I got there, as he got close, I thought, dear God, the only hope I had is in you. He was well able to do his threats. He walked there just then. When he stepped out there, I started to say, Sir, I wouldn't say that. And when I did, he said, Thus says the Lord. Because you challenge the Spirit of God, tonight you'll fall over my feet. He said, You hypocrite, I'll show you whose feet I'll fall over. So I'll break your neck, you serpent. He went, Hit my face like that. I just stood still, waiting for the Spirit of God. 6,600 people, besides what was on the outside, were standing breathless. You better know what you're speaking about. 
He run forward, draw back his fist. He said, I'll show you whose feet I'll fall over. He drew back like that. I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of him. There he stood and made his challenge like Goliath. There he made his boast. The Spirit of God had said, what would happen? Now let's see who's right. He, uh, everything seemed against me. His size and all, he could tear it out. He said, I'll break every bone in your body. I'll knock you come out in the middle of that audience. You could do it, physically speaking. But the Holy Spirit said, you'll fall over my feet. There he rushed forward. And when the Spirit, I said, Satan, come out of the man in the name of Jesus Christ. His big fist drew back. Mr. Baxter, here's a witness besides here today at CTA, hunted it down to the police courts and everything up there. You see the voice of healing, didn't you? How they hunted it down and everything, and it proved out a hundred percent it was there, and every one of the rest of them. We're not liars, we're testifying of Jesus Christ. You're welcome to take the books and run them down or any other testimony, do I say? Yes, sir. I'm under obligation to God to be a man of honor. The truth as a prophet of God. And when he come running to me, he threw his hands back. When he did, he went, uh, His eyes were all the way back and pushed out. His mouth opened like that. He shrunk and fell across my feet. I couldn't even move. I looked at him. Then police said, Is that man dead? I said, No, sir. Said, Is he going to be all right? I said, No, sir. He worships that spirit. He thinks he's right. If he is willing to give it up, it'll leave him now. But he worships it. He'll take it right back. I said, would you move him off of my feet? And we got him off of my feet and I walked back to the platform and started speaking. I said, our Heavenly Father has all the powers in heaven and earth. And a man laying on a cot said, yes, he has. He healed me and up he got. Now a little man fell on the crutches. He threw his crutches across the floor and said, they heal me too. And away he went. Up come a man out of a wheelchair and said, me also. There the power of God moved through that building and shut the mouth of Satan. Hallelujah. Call me a fanatic if you want to. I'm a fanatic for Christ. Who's fanatic are you? I know what I speak of. If I die this night, I'll never die. I have eternal life in me. Never born again Christian does too. If I go home to meet the Lord tonight, my testimony is still proven true. And every time that Satan has rolled up, God has set them down. So therefore, without fear, knowing my Lord Jesus is here, I do not hesitate to tell you the truth of God's word and his power. Zion, this is the day of visitation for you. You better receive it. In the name of the Lord, you may be receiving your land. I do not say that you are, but I know by promise I come here. When I left over there and one of the critics of the city here rose up against me thinking that I was coming back there to take over somebody's church, I take over nobody's church. I was sent to preach the gospel into all parts of the world. I only come here to bless you and to help you in my prayers as I can. I come, and when I left the city, I said, I will return. I fulfilled my commission. I'm here, and the other day when I was there, the Holy Spirit said to me, 
I was going, you know where I was going? To Minneapolis to an auditorium that seats around 10, 12,000. Bunch of cooperating, and right down to kosher Baltimore, there was an auditorium sitting there with 500 ministers, Baptist, Methodists, and all signed up to cooperate in the meeting. And an auditorium that seats 10,000 free. Not a penny. Didn't he have to take up about one offering in the whole meeting? Let the rest of it go. But the Holy Spirit said, go by the way of Zion. I'm here. Oh, God, have mercy. Our Heavenly Father, God, I don't know what to say. I, I try with all my heart. May people wake tonight, Lord. Oh, God, again move in Zion. Grant it, Lord. Start a great revival somehow, Lord. We see how these bloodthirsty sheep killers that come through this city robbing people of their blessings. Oh, God Almighty, have mercy and send again that which thou hast established, Lord. Grant it. Send your mercies and heal the sick and the needy and bless the people, Lord, before I believe that the hours are closing in. Darkness is settling over the earth. God, get your church ready quickly. Come, Lord Jesus. Receive us. Bless tonight in the farther part of the service. May your dear Son, Jesus Christ, in the form of the Holy Spirit, come upon your poor, unworthy, humble servant who testifies with all my heart. I can't make them believe it, Lord. I can only tell the truth, and you're right behind every testimony to say that it's true. Let them wait tonight, Lord. May the nations be shook once more. Not one of these protracted meetings, Lord, but an old-fashioned God-saved meeting. They'll close whiskey stores. That'll make women put on clothes. That'll make men act like gentlemen. That'll start the glory of God in the church. Grant it, Lord. Once more, may your mercy be shown. Hear the prayer of your servant from the sincere heart, I pray. Grant it, Lord. In Jesus' name, I ask that thy only begotten and beloved Son, I ask it for his glory, that his words might be fulfilled, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. If you won't receive mine, listen to his. Found in the 16th chapter of St. John. Beginning with the 30th verse, I'm going to read two portions. Jesus had always talked in such a way that the people couldn't understand him. They said, well, what does he mean? I don't know. He talked in parables, but this time he spoke plainly. Then said the disciples, Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee, By this we believe that thou comest forth from God. He said, You've done nothing but what the Father showed you. And what you said was has been exactly the truth. Is that the interpretation of that scripture? You said you come from the Father, and the Father, you did nothing in yourself. What the Father showed you, we was going with you one day, Oriana, and they sent for you to come pray for your buddy Lazarus. You just kept going on. You knew what the Father was going to do. Then you stopped and told us that he was dead after so much time, of course, when God a lot of the time that Lazarus would be dead. He said, but I go waiting. When he stood at the grave, we understood that you spoke to the Father and said you knew about it, but you just prayed for them and stood by that they might understand. And you called a dead man from the grave. 
We see you do things and whatever you predicted, whatever you told the people, what their troubles was, what was wrong with them, you perceived their thoughts, every bit of it was the truth. And by this we believe that thou comest from God. By this. Now, Hebrews 13, 8 said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that true? In Acts 2, 22, Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, approved of God among you by signs, by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourself also know. Jesus, God approved Jesus by signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus did not do them. The Father showed him what to do first. Is that right? Now, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, it's the same way. Now, Lord, committing this service to you, I've spake quite a bit. The room is very warm tonight. This little crowd is gathered over here in this high school gymnasium room. Father, may the Holy Spirit come near. May that same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel move down, settle around the holy place of the pulpit. May the angels of God take their position places positionally out among the people, speaking to their hearts, getting them to believe. Take away all unbelief, may it go from this building tonight that it might be a great, marvelous meeting. May it exceedingly abundantly be done. I have testified of thee, my Lord. Now I ask thee to testify of thy servant, that your glory might be spread abroad through all the regions around Zion, just before the coming of the just one, for we ask that in his name. Amen. First station, come on. Jehovah, Jireh, Rabbi, Manasseh, Great Jehovah God knows tonight that I, as far as I know, never seen this man in my life. I know nothing about him. I've never seen him. Did you ever see me, sir? No, I've never seen him. We're perfect strangers. What's the matter with the man? God does know. Now, God can, if he will, reveal that to me. And if that can be done, and if you people believe that I'm a, at least a truthful man, each one of you out here ought to say, that settles it for me. Do you remember when I was in Zion the other time? How many was at the meeting the other time? The only way I had of knowing, I'd take the person by the hand and stand there and hold that hand. And that hand, I would hold it until something spoke through me and it said the disease what it was. And I testified to you that God told me, the angel of the Lord, that if I be sincere, it would come to pass that I would know the very thoughts of their heart. You remember me saying it would come to pass? 
You met, how many of you remember me testifying of that? Raise your hand. Now, the first time it happened was with Brother Baxter at Queen Garden, Regina, Saskatchewan. I walked to the platform. He'd give me a drink of water. And I stood the woman there, and I seen a vision of what she was doing. There it started. God had manifested his work. Hear me. I believe this. I can't say he has told me. But something is moving in me, saying that there's something more greater just ready to break forth in my ministry. Remember, he told me, be reverent, be obedient, be humble, and God will add to you. And I'm trying my best to be. Now, Moses, when Moses said it, he, just, he was an eloquent man. His speech was uh, uh, couldn't talk very well. He stammered and so forth. And he couldn't go and so forth. But God tried to get him to go anyhow, but he wouldn't listen. But then, when God sent Moses, he told him, said, he said, the people won't believe me. He said, put your hands in your bosom. And he had leprosy and he healed his hand of leprosy. Then he took a stick and performed a miracle with a stick, but turned it to a serpent back to a stick. He said, you do this before the children of Israel and they will believe you. Is that right? Now he told me at this time would be given first. And if they wouldn't believe that, that you know the very thoughts of their heart, and by that they would believe. That's the same God, and God knows that I know nothing about it, man. The same pillar of fire that spoke to Moses has spoke again in this last day. And it was not Moses that done anything, it was the angel that went before Moses that did it. Is that right? Surely, people, we can understand it. Now, Moses, here's one thing that I do do wrong. I'm admitting it with this Bible before me. I'm doing wrong by bringing each person up here and speaking to them so that I have to break myself into a vision that weakens me down. What I ought to do, or maybe I have call one person out of the audience or something other like that and bring them up here and talk to them and line up a prayer line and pray for all the rest of them as they went by. That would be better. But it's got to a place where if you don't stand and talk to the person, the vision doesn't come, they don't even think you're anointed. I brought that upon myself, a confession before God. But if this man here, me knowing nothing about him, and, and the man knows I know nothing about him, never seen him in my life, if God will manifest himself and the same way that he done to Nathaniel, that ought to settle it for this whole entire audience. Is that right? I'd take you, sir, for a truthful man. And i never seen you, no connection with you, no nothing about you. Is that right? No way at all for me to know. All right, but there he stands. Now, let us be in prayer now. While I talk to him, just silently, you can look this away. Now, I want to ask you something tonight. Last night, when I would start to pray and ask you to bow your head, some wouldn't do it, and that makes it hard on the patients, you see. It, you, you must, the only way I can do anything to help you is fully cooperation. And let you know this, that when that things, diseases go out of the people, remember, you're not immune from them, and they're perfectly helpless until they're embodied, and be it assured to you that I'm not responsible. If you do not bow your head when I ask you, and will not obey, I will not even stand in meeting. for it's a dangerous thing for, let me tell you, there's people in the institutions today that sat in the meeting as normal people and went out in that condition because of disobedience. There's many of us in their graves. Now, you look this away. 
Do anything you want to, but just, and when I tell you wherever you are, if you're in those chairs, if you're sick, whatever it tells you to do, go do it right then. You do just what it tells you to do. If I had longer to stay in Zion, I'd tell you some of the things that's happened, but we must hurry. Believe. The only thing I ask you is believe that Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. All right, sir, come here. I, I trust that you understand, friends, that this is not uh, a stage show or something. You're up here, I believe, in sincerity. If you're not, God will sure tell me about you in a few minutes, and you'll know whether you, are, you should, wish you'd have never come. But if you are in sincerity, you're here to get well or something to happen. And I'm here in deep sincerity to try to help you by praying for you. That's all I can do, brother. That's all I can do. Why did I call you sir a few minutes ago and brother then? Because I witnessed your spirit. You are a Christian. That's right. All right. Now he's already here. And you're aware of that, that there's something going on. And I just talked to you just a moment. I've been preaching, you see, and it, it's a different anointing. It has to move back from that, you see, back into another realm. And I, I want to be sure of what I speak, you see, until the vision goes to breaking in, and then I can tell what is wrong. But now, look, as I'm speaking to you, like Jesus did to the woman at the well. Now, there was something wrong with that woman, and Jesus talked to her a little bit, and he went right straight and told her what was wrong with her. Is that right? Not knowing her, he was a Jew and she was Samaritan. He just stood up there at the well and she'd come by. So after talking to her a little bit, then he could tell her what was wrong. Now, if I be a Christian man, if the Spirit of God is in me, that is the Spirit of Christ, then it'll make me in conduct like him, make any Christian like him. Then if on, on top of that, if he is given a spiritual gift, or his presence near, then he'll be just like he was then. He could go right straight. See, he has no lips on earth but my eyes, no hands but ours. Our eyes, he speaks through us and looks through us and sees through us. And, is that right? That's right. Where our hands are his hands. Our lips are his lips to preach the gospel and what more. Sir? You're, you're suffering with a blood condition. I, I believe it's diabetes. Is that right? That's right. Glory to God. Now, do you believe it? I do. With all your heart? With all my heart. Now, there's the man's trouble. That's what's wrong. I've never seen him in my life, but that's his trouble. Now, if I should talk to him just a little bit, then the Holy Spirit might reveal something else. Might, oh, tell him maybe something when he was a little boy he did, or maybe some hindrance or something. Something that stands in his life. I, I don't know. Perhaps, do you already believe? Now, I won't admit this is the first man. Let's take these cases thoroughly. I just want to talk to you, sir. Now, I just want you to answer me, for I'm not reading your mind, sir. I want you to be thinking about me standing here, just thinking if you're the presence of the Lord, something, uh, his being here. Don't think, because the people might think it's reading mine, which we settled at the other night, that Jesus knows their thoughts, but, and I, but I don't want that at all. I want to see a vision, not what you're thinking about. 
I, I, I want to know uh, if God will show me something about you, something in your life. Do you believe that I'm able to do this by being his prophet? I do. You do. Well, may the Lord grant You have something to do around a boat, or boats or something, isn't that right? And aren't you some kind of a, aren't you a minister? Well, you are a preacher, that is, and you're around, I see you around preaching or talking to fishermen or something or another, or boats or something, is that right? That's right. If it's right, raise up your hand. Do you believe me to be his prophet? I do. All right, go home and yeah, be well, my brother, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm I believe beyond a shadow of doubt that the people of this meeting will have to recognize that there is a supernatural being that's standing here that's ministering through me. Now you can accept it as God or whatever you want to accept it. That will determine your healing. If that be so, and God has said that I have told the truth, a man can come here and tell you that God told him this, that, or the other. I have no right to say he did not. But when God comes down and speaks definitely, everything that he says is the truth. And you believe that man, or he's told the truth. It's the truth. Then you believe me now that Jesus Christ, our Savior, is sitting at the right hand of the Father. His presence is here with me, just as they put a television on me now and see me in California, yet I'm here. His invisible presence is near. He's the one, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is moving in this building. And he's ready now to make this entire group of people well. Will you believe me as his prophet? I was going to call about ten more. My manager and son says it's enough. They know more conditions. I, I tell you, it seems to me now, everything is becoming more like an emerald color around me. Also, I'm just standing here. It's all I know. I'm going to this microphone. I love you, Zion. God knows that I want to do something for you. And I have testified to you, and my God has testified that I have told the truth. Receive him tonight, will you? As your healer, while we bow our heads. Our Father, Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Almighty God, author of life, giver of every good gift, Savior of the soul, healer of the body, creator of heavens and earth, send thy blessings upon this people. <coughs> How can we doubt longer? How long will you stand in jeopardy? Blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who by his infant grace has sent his Holy Spirit to us in this last day. We poor, alienated Gentiles carried away with dumb idols 
2,000 years ago were wild savages, we Anglo-Saxon people, without hope, without God in the world. And today has been made sons and daughters of God, and God has sent his spirit to us, crying, and our Father. Oh, God, to my nation, America, woe unto her. If the worst has been done, Sodom the Lord has hit America these past five years, it will remain to this day. If this nation would receive you, O oh God, as those poor dark heathen Africans did down there in Africa, the Korean wars would settle and peace would strike the earth for you. But if we will not accept mercy, we have to accept judgment. God be merciful tonight to this people here in this audience. This poor little neglected Zion. Well, once when the bells tolled in the street, I'm told back on when I was a baby dropped in my mother's arms, you knew that this night would be. When the bells tolled on the church, the women ceased their work, the men stopped on the street and uncovered their heads. Prayer was made to Almighty God. The thing that now down through the street goes half-dressed girls and sin on every hand. Preachers call my holy name sinners, ungodly, beguiling, grounds dedicated to God. How long, Lord, will these things last? Only does thou know. But yet I believe there's names yet in Zion that's wrote in the Lamb's Book of Life. Come, Lord Jesus, tonight, as your Spirit ruling over this audience. Heal each one of them, Lord Jesus, gathered in from here and other parts of the country. Waukegan, Chicago, and around about the city. May your mercy spread over this building just now. May the wings of the Holy Spirit, as it was in the fire furnace with the Hebrew children, fan away every unbelief ever doubt. And may God Almighty break the spell of unbelief and set every believer free tonight. And may the Holy Ghost now baptize newly in this audience tonight into the kingdom of God. And the honor they might leave out of these chairs, leave their crutches, their eyes come open, ears open. The sick of cancer and bedridden might be healed. God grant it. Hear my prayer, God. Hear it. In Jesus' name, and Satan, you evil, ungodly, doubting, unbelieving spirit, I adjure thee by Jesus, the Son of God, who's here. Leave every one of the people, come out of them. 